Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. The film board gathers. The Gang of Thugs is here to take on a movie currently in theaters. And this month, we're talking writers and wrestlers and songsters all tumbling from the pages of, wait, screen of, uh, life of, uh, Matthew Vaughn's latest, Argyle. What happens next? It's called a cliffhanger, mother. Ellie, it's called a cop-out. Whoa, hey, there's a cat in there. 
my god, you're Ellie freaking Conway. Author of the Argyle series, Ellie Conway! I am such a fan. Oh yeah? What is it you do? Espionage. Would you sign my book? Here we go. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Tommy Handsome the Third. Tommy, hello. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here as always. Thank you for having me, Pete. And Justin J.J. Yeager is here. Hello, I'm back. It's been oh. great fun. I would like to open the show with an experience, and it is an experience mm. of a conversation that I had with our very own uh, Thomas uh, W. Handsome the Third, and. Uh, it, I'm going to play both parts because I don't trust him to deliver the line reading, uh, his own line reading correctly. So it's about to happen. this takes place uh, earlier in last week when I said, Tom, have you seen Argyle yet? Knowing that we're getting together. I said, Tom, have you seen Argyle yet? Cut to Tom. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a terrible poker face. (laughs) (laughs) That sets us up. Uh, Argyle is a spy action comedy film directed by Matthew Vaughn, written by Jason Fuchs. Uh, We've got our own ensemble cast, Bryce Dallas Howard, Sam Rockwell, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, Henry Cavill, Sophia Boutella, Dua Lipa, Ariana DeBose. I mean, there's a a Cena is in it and Sam Jackson. So we've got a lot of a lot of people. This cast is pretty stacked. Uh, It is. Yeah. Uh, this is an Apple Originals. They they purchased the uh, distribution rights for two hundred million dollars. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. It was meant to be a laugh line, but it ended up being a laugh line. Uh, two hundred million dollars. It's a story, and I would love to know some initial thoughts from you guys. How was your What was your experience, JJ? We kind of got Tom's. Why don't you go first? I'm super confused. I was super confused through most of it. Um, I really like Matthew Vaughn, and yet I didn't really understand what was happening most of the time. I and I mean, I'm, I'm I sound like I'm joking, but I am not. I it moved so fast that um, I got spun around a lot, and I saw all those pretty faces and pretty people and wonderful cast members, and it was enjoyable to see those people doing the things, the Matthew Vaughn things in the Matthew Vaughn. That's kind of how I felt. But I was very confused by the music and the action and the choices and the stuff. And, um, and I don't know what's coming next. So, um, And I want to talk about all of it. So that's why I love doing this show with you guys because it's fun. But it was very confusing and um, – and and not it, it was what I expected, and then it wasn't what I expected. So I'll say that. So yeah. it'll be fun to talk about. When did you see it? I saw it last night. Late. Okay, show. so I last just night. saw it today. So we're okay. both pretty fresh. Yes. Right. Tom, you've had chances a couple years ago. It, I think like right? a fine, like a like a fine chili. Yeah, I, the fact of seeing it a few days or a bunch of days ago, maybe a week ago, I'm not exactly yeah. sure. It has a little bit of that. The gentleman. I know that that's Guy Ritchie, but that effect yeah. of every day that passes, more of it leaves my mind because <laughs> it's so much uh, style over substance, which I'm fine with if the subst- if the style works. Uh, I think this had some great set pieces, some fun ideas, and one, for me, fatal flaw that brings the entire movie down. With Yes. I want to hear it. Okay. Hook, line, and stinker. (laughs) (laughs) He slaps the microphone out of the way. Well, I can't drop it. That was really dramatic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
I, uh, I, I feel like I, I don't necessarily, I, I, we don't usually start this way, but this, I, I have to talk a little bit about the mechanic of bringing the movie to life. And I think we should do it first because oh, it's okay. fascinating to me. Um, the movie, Ellie Conway is the author of the book, Argyle. And I say Ellie Conway, not in the movie. Oh. which is the character that Bryce Dallas Howard is or is playing, right? right. Uh, I'm Wait, saying what? there is a book no. written by someone named Ellie Conway called what? Argyle. That really came and, out in real life? Oh my yeah. gosh, I'm going no, to wait. the internet. Hold, this is, hold on, because okay. it's just a lot. Wow. Uh, now, theories of who wrote the book that I knew, yeah. Abound, like they're abound, right? So, and I, I K-K. haven't listened to the whole book, but I, I downloaded the the five minute preview, and it starts not in Greece; it starts in Russia. I don't know what the rest of the book is. I'm probably not going to listen to it. But there was a a thing that uh, that got out that said, okay, maybe this is Taylor Swift wrote it because Taylor Swift also has a Scottish fold cat, and there was apparently a story in a video or something. Oh, I'm not really a Swift guys, but... I'm not getting less confused. No, I know, and you shouldn't. <laughs> this is the Swift. universe. We're in I'm, the Argyleverse. You remember I told you I was confused. It's okay. gonna, JJ, it's gonna get worse from here, man. Gosh. <laughs> there is no way to undo what is happening right now. I'm embracing it. Wait a second. What's the Taylor Swift part of this? Oh, God. Somebody on the Internet said, oh, my gosh, this movie's coming out. And Taylor Swift wears an Argyle sweater and has a Scottish fold cat. And there was some music video of some sort where Taylor Swift writes an in-universe book. Right. And somebody said, I think that's Argyle. I think Taylor Swift wrote Argyle. Now, I'm going to say, don't. You know what? Don't. If you know the whole story, honestly, good good uh, go with god i don't need to to be corrected on this part that's not really the point uh fair listener and you know what the point is taylor swift didn't do it you know uh who also didn't do it i'm gonna tell you it wasn't jk rowling yep that's right jk rowling was in the running for this too was it jake gyllenhaal it was not Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> oh, you're having me see red. <laughs> well, the, oh, first, the first Goodreads review, because immediately, whenever we talk books, I immediately yeah. go to Goodreads. And the first Goodreads re- review was, wouldn't it be amazing if Jake Gyllenhaal wrote this book? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what? Okay. So I didn't write it. No, I, I didn't write it. Anybody else? Okay. Tom is silent. Yeah, Let's note Tom's <laughs> silence. Tom may have written Argyle. <laughs> this is the story as reported by uh, Vulture. Okay. Uh, Matthew Vaughn wanted to make a movie adaptation of, uh, well, I should, I should actually out it because it names the names. The Ellie Conway is actually two writers, Terry Hayes, who wrote I Am Pilgrim, and Tammy Cohen, When She Was Bad. And so these two wrote the book. All right. Uh, Vaughn wanted to make a movie adaptation of Hayes's I Am Pilgrim, but MGM had the rights and, quote, they could not do a deal with Matthew for their own bizarre reasons, explained Hayes. But Vaughn decided that instead of adapting an existing book he couldn't get his hands on, he'd ask Hayes to write an accompanying book inspired by the movie in development, Argyle, a book that would be like what Conway would have written in the context of the movie. Hayes asked Cohen to co-author the book with him as he was still working on the year of the locust and Argyle was born. (laughs) Okay. Did that make it, I mean, clear? Got it? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, thank you. (laughs) So what it... (laughs) This simulation sucks. (laughs) Can we reboot? Yeah. This is is why I wanted to read that because this is a book that was... 
it, it was written bespoke for a movie the idea that the director had and then right. regurgitated through these actual authors in the form of a character who is in the movie who has written the books. Because otherwise he wouldn't be able to have the rights to it. That because was, otherwise, uh, well, it, if it's not that, this seems like a whole lot of work that doesn't need to be done. Exactly. And that was really it because he had his sights set on uh, Hayes's book, I Am Pilgrim, but MGM already had the option on that. Right. And so he couldn't do it. Uh, and so he he has an original boy, boy. book okay. now. And I did I shut down like a good 45 seconds ago. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can see it. I can <laughs> no. see the, the shades drop on your eyeballs. <laughs> they just sort of glazed. I mean, I this love this why... stuff, but 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 I, I can't. I get it. <laughs> this is why I wanted to bring that up because yeah. I feel like that entire vibe, that entire just nest of of confusing sort of relationships <laughs> to create the story absolutely manifest on screen on, str on right. screen oh, oh yeah. i see yeah i agree with that 100 yeah. yeah the script is fighting itself yes the script is, <laughs> yeah. is the script is punching itself in the face all the exactly. time the whole yeah. time yeah. the whole time and and i will say mm -hmm. in terms of my kind of initial experience with the film i'm with jj like i have no idea what was going on but there was a lot of like fantastical parade of pixels going on like there's some mm -hmm. fun beats that i i yeah. thought were entertaining and a lot of vaunisms, mm. and also I I just I don't I don't get what the point is. There were there was a MacGuffin inside another MacGuffin in this movie. Like yeah. it was a <laughs> nesting screw the MacGuffin for a MacGuffin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so like uh, Tom, yes. what do you? <laughs> <laughs> uh what do you uh, <laughs> he slaps the mic out of the way again it's be that's my that's my new thing a visual thing for an audio <laughs> format yeah. so tommy uh, kick us off like when you think about that when when people and i know I'm, I'm asking you this intentionally because you've already told us that you don't remember the movie so when you think about the movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you can you talk about uh, uh, the relationship between our principal characters? I'm talking about Rockwell and, and Howard in this case, mm -hmm. because I think if there is a high point in the movie for me, it's it's buried in this relationship somewhere. Mm -hmm. What do you think of how it goes? Well, within that is my fatal flaw. Is my oh, personal the fatal flaw? So we start uh, off fighting because, and, and I never talked about the idea that I love both Kingsman movies. I don't, not the prequel. The prequel was weirdly asleep, uh, but the you first like the and, too? and the second one with uh, Channing Tatum. I still, I think that was almost as fun as the first one. And I know that's a rare, yeah, uh, yeah you're an opinion island. to have. So, mm -hmm. um, so I came to this movie with open arms and this movie achieves some of that a couple times. And those are the parts that I enjoyed the most of like, Oh, he's just, the reins are off and he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Of going to answering your question now about the relationship for me, the biggest problem, the biggest single problem in the movie was casting and it was casting mm -hmm. of Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh. Uh, I think that that, unfortunately, and I like Bryce Dallas Howard. I haven't seen her in a ton. I really liked her in The Village. Lady in the Water was not her fault. Other things haven't stuck out as much. She plays a tough role in that she yes. is in the Kate Capshaw Temple of Doom line of women casting in in action films. She is the drag. She's like the damper with where like Sam Rockwell, who is always for me exceptional and so much fun and so 
effortlessly charming and cool for someone to be like, no, it's like the shrew character. I'm not saying that she's a shrew, but it's just a drag of a character to still have the woman to have. It'll work. Are we we're completely in spoiler territory? I'm glad you mentioned that because there are some significant spoilers ahead. We're in spoiler territory. Is it it okay? Because it has to do with my my point. Is then if you're going to change the shrew into the biggest badass of the movie, you've got to have someone that nails it. And she does not. They do not cut around a lot of the action. They cut around her considerably. Uh, She is dressed incredibly unflattering during the entire movie. And when it's time for her to be a badass, it is not convincing at all. And she's just... I was embarrassed for her. I was embarrassed by what they made her do and what she couldn't handle. And so I didn't like the relation. I liked the idea of the relationship, but I was always desperately like cut back to Sam Rockwell because he's pulling this off. Well, yeah. And I agree. So I agree with the point about Bryce Dallas Howard as well. I, that was the part I didn't expect. Right. If it, 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 especially with trailers and coming to the movie that that turn is not what I expected, especially with the cast. And I liked Sam Rockwell a, a lot, too, but I yeah. didn't necessarily think I think the reason why he pulled it off so well is just in contrast to yes. the yes. what you have from Bryce Dallas Howard. And because of that, you end up with two characters which really didn't have any chemistry when they were supposed to have chemistry. Right. It never shows up. Yeah. So, I mean, as much as I like Rockwell as well. And like Bryce Wells Howard and other things, I end up disliking them both here because oh, I think because they're both miscast. Right. Right. I mean, that's the hard part. Like, and and you get into all the different frames within a frames and the simulation and the, the the memories and all this stuff. And you're like, but the spies were the fantasy spies. And the real spies never become real spies here for me. They're always the, the you know, I mean, we're always missing John Cena and Henry Cavill. You know, I mean, sure. That's and that's the thing. And and I mean, yeah, so I understand why that's your fatal flaw that the the casting and the sort of development of what what we were supposed to go through as audience members never happened because of the different roles that were just slammed through, ran through as quickly as possible to get us there. So, yeah, that was really hard. What's the relationship that you're talking about, Pete? No, no, no. I, I, I feel like it, what I said was buried in their relationship is a real high point to me. And that yeah. was a tease for my absolute adoration of Sam Rockwell in this movie. Because okay. I think Sam Rockwell pulls off the switch, right? And we get the switch early for him, right? He's the goofy, bearded wanderer ending up in one of the best fight sequences that I've seen lately. It is the most cleverly edited um, you know, what? fight sequence, the which, which, fight on the train. The first oh, train. Okay. fight yeah. on the train is magnificent, you guys. I, I just, I was, I, I, it just was fantastically mind boggling thinking how they cut this together, how precise they had to be to execute all of the fight sequences for both Henry Cavill and then switch to, to right. Sam Rockwell and do it again and again and again to get those frame matched and the, the fast wipes like to handle her delusionary experience of this whole thing. I thought that was so cool. Right. I just right. really thought it was cool. But you've just opened the box 
to the logic problems that exist within uh, the lore of this film in that if she is witnessing Henry Cavill as Argyle as Sam Rockwell and then it turns out that she is actually Argyle and she is actually and Henry Cavill is actually within her it doesn't make any sense that she is having difficulty seeing the difference between Sam Rockwell and Henry Cavill in that beautifully orchestrated scene Right. And this is the problem, right? Because I love the beautifully orchestrated scene, but I am now watching it outside of the film. I'm oh, watching the it I the whole time. Yes. I like yes. am no longer in the story yep. because uh, because I, you know, at that point in the movie. So I'm saying that now with a bit of hindsight, because at that point in the movie, I thought he was just a delusion. It's only when we stop and think about it after we figure out that she's actually Argyle, that it the whole thing falls to pieces Completely. for me yes. uh, yeah. but the experience of watching and i think that i actually i think where i disagree in in the casting of bryce dallas howard is i think she does pull off kind of the dowdy um uh, writer character right the confused yes. kind of writer character i think she handles the first part of of the movie okay the problem is there to your both of your points there's zero charisma between the two of them it never yeah. comes it never flourishes or blooms and when he says you can do it i love you later in the movie i laughed out loud yeah. like th there is no way i buy that relationship no you can't you don't really <laughs> dude so well, i i just think it was i i think it was a, a casting i think to your point like i don't i have never seen uh, and I I like Bryce Dallas Howard as as a performer. I think I think she's a she's I, I've enjoyed things that she's done, and I don't see her as an action star. And that's the twist that I think we miss. The role calls for someone being comedic, and I don't think yeah. she does that well either. Mm -mm. She's very moony. She's very just sort of like wide eyed yeah. and straightforward, and and then isn't able to handle Vaughn gives her or the writer, I'm sorry, gives her a lot of whiplashes of we went through this crazy thing, and now I'm supposed to say something crazy like, well, you you dropped your pencil or something. And she's not <laughs> able to handle any of that. It's just it takes if you're gonna put someone through all of these things, it takes nuance. It takes. Either strong physical physicality, strong nuanced comedy, strong timing, and she's just not the one for it. And again, I like her. I don't blame her. I blame her right. being cast in it. She's not yeah, the I right think, one for this I role. Think she embodies the character in Jurassic World far more yes, uh, right. than this, where she is on the borderline between likable and dislikable, right? She's at she's 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 able to be that. She was not able to be this as much. The other, the, the sort of substance problem that I have with that aspect, so the first aspect when she's the writer, is that the conceit is that these books are bestsellers and they're amazing books. And all of the stories and the dialogue from the stories are terrible. It, it doesn't look <laughs> like. Argyle is not a good book. It doesn't. The writing and, and the, isn't good. And you remember when like. Oh, the last time everyone was like, oh, Tom Clancy, sign my breasts. Like, also, the <laughs> world doesn't exist no. where everyone is so gaga and the author is like the most famous person on Earth. It all is a broken machine Yeah. in yes. order to try to make all of these way too many twists kind of work. Yeah, it's all really very over mechanized in a way that like the Kingsman, the, the whole, the, the whole movie the, is the God machine. <laughs> right. The Kingsmans are way over plotted, but in a way that seems that it works because the style is so consistent and there's things like mind control. There's, th you know, all of these yes. different things involved. This tries to be grounded 
in a way and then throws the kitchen sink at the screen. Yeah, I, I really appreciate mm. your comparison to Jurassic World, too, because I think that's the mm -hmm. movie that is uh, that exemplifies Howard's ability to be funny when written right, to yeah. be charming, to build a blossoming ro romance with uh, Chris. Uh, and right. and to like to to actually show something in an action movie that has that was the, the same thing. She's the drag. She's the drag on the ticket in that one. And yet you still kind of end up liking you, them. Yeah, because you were like you're yes. able to make the twist with her. Right. You're able to make the turn. And this movie, the turn just grinds to a halt. And I think Rockwell, the surprise for me with Rockwell is that I can see him as uh, even more of like an action star. Like I think he pulled off yes. the fights in a way that I thought I will watch this guy do more stuff like like this him bursting out from the floor during the time <laughs> yes. of the cat things cool. that's outstanding that so that. cool but the thing that i'm not going to ever believe about sam rockwell is that he's in love with someone or that maybe that he's in love with bryce dallas howard it's definitely I not like yeah. not he bryce can play dallas the howard. hard side but how does sam Rockwell? he at least needs someone as quick as him or you yeah. know that's going to jab back and forth like that kind of love affair maybe the mr and mrs smith type of love i don't know totally. but, confessions but of a like, dangerous mind uh, he's got yeah. some good chemistry with people yeah, exactly yeah. but exactly. It, yep. but that goes to the writing it's part right. yeah. chemistry but part someone that is his equal because you can tell i could see him wincing at certain lines oh. <laughs> on yeah. screen Yes. Yeah. yeah. At one point, I think he turned to me. He was like, "I know." <laughs> like it's like Joe Coy. I wrote some. Other people wrote some. <laughs> yeah. Um, so all of this is amplified because we also get an uh, introduction to the supposed lineage of our our fair writer Ellie, uh, and we meet Mom Catherine O'Hara and Brian Cranston as Dad. Now we already know that that Cranston is uh, the head of the, what is it? There's the Developers. division, there's the consideration, <laughs> there's the senatitation, there's too many issues. There are a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, and, and so the relationship this with the syndicate, the syndicate, sure. Uh, the, the relationship with the parents, I think, is really interesting because one, again, spoiler, they're not parents. They are part of the division. And it uh, turns out that there was more mind control. They've been mind controlling her all along because she was actually a figure skater spy uh, who ended up in a coma. And they mind controlled her to make her think she was the stouty author. And then that's the whole that's the whole thing, y'all. We're still fighting around that's like a long con. Yeah. And, and really, it was about the her being a figure skater <laughs> and spy, and they reprogrammed her. Right. What do you think of these two? I mean, in terms of, again, a stacked cast doing things that uh, might might not be things that they want to put at the top of their CV. I can say real quick, because mine is just very pithy. Uh, there's, for as stacked of a cast as this is, a lot of them are doing a lot of, like, Morgan Freeman desk acting. Yeah. Meaning, like, I can tell that was two days on set for the yep. entire yep. thing. Two locked-in locations with no natural light, no actual outside things. Morgan Freeman's doing so much of that. And we were really ragging on Bruce Willis for doing that. Now it's sad because we realized he yeah. was trying to save up money. Uh, but Morgan Freeman doesn't have that same uh, excuse for just being yeah. in one suit an entire movie behind a desk talking. Yes. That's what a lot of these people just sort of showed up. Just to do yeah. a little bit, and I can shoot you in and out around all over the rest of your schedule in a day and a half. So yeah. when we say stacked cast, it's also kind of like, oh look, there was that John Cena. I don't know. 
the end. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, maybe Marv Productions is like a Hollywood playground, right? Like, like right. I can sign up for a Marv movie and I can show up for two, you know, set pieces yeah. and it'll be great. But the, it, it, what I would say about the two of them in particular is that I love them. I enjoy watching them. They don't feel connected to anyone else in the story, um, yep. you know, and because of that, their characters seem paper thin. So mm-hmm. how does that make me feel? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it, this it, as for st- another thing for as stacked a cast as this is, this is not an ensemble piece. Yeah, <laughs> they're I not working movies, together. I don't want movies to go down this road of just like day turning really big stars into day players, so your poster is more impressive. That right. sucks. That, that's I how this characters. feels for sure. Cut the characters in half and make them real and don't have uh, Samuel L. Jackson probably in real time watching a basketball game <laughs> while being paid millions of dollars. And him giggling at the desk while the download is buffering could be my least favorite scene to go back to multiple yeah. times during yeah. the major, the climb, the, 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 the yeah. by all accounts, climax right. fight scene. Like, yeah. Uh, and to what end? Because everyone that matters is gone and everything right. blew up at the end. So to yeah. he's going to be like, see what used to exist. Ugh. Yeah. I'm so angry. I'm <laughs> well, getting, uh, this is funny. Usually uh, during these episodes, I start to respect movies more. Yeah. It's, as we talk about apart, it, I'm right? actually losing. I'm yeah. giving more stars back to Oppenheimer than JJ stole <laughs> <laughs> in our last episode. Very good. Yeah. Well, and that's a that that puts us in an interesting <laughs> interesting place. You know, I, to your point about like desk acting, I this very much reminded me as I'm watching the third act come to pieces. It reminded me of the last season of Arrested Development when all the stars had oh. broken off and they were very famous and they just stacked the schedule with with cutaways right? and green, and green screens and cutaways and green right. screens and cutaways yeah. right and Second and it life. was it was just yeah. kind of a monstrosity of an editing job like i don't envy anybody who managed to put that together and that's what the the certainly after the reveal of the parents uh, uh that they're not the parents things go sideways and that's exactly what it felt like to me it's just yeah, no the, longer it's the no best longer performer of this movie is the first ad for making it a cohesive yeah. movie, even though it doesn't make sense yeah. to make this all work because these people never met each other. Even the, yeah. the poster that you put on the, the coda, none of those people yeah. are in the same room. None of them have the same lighting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. You know what? It, what is so interesting? And I, I, I did put that picture in there because I feel like that all the heads should be moved around like they're they're not in the right order, given the movie we just saw. And I think that's a little bit baffling. And I think they could have actually played a a better trick had they put the actors in the right. Henry Cavill should not be in the, in the front of that. Obviously he's the biggest, like he's the face of the thing, I guess, but it, it's, but it, I, I think it does a disservice to the story. And, um, and so it's, it's frustrating. Uh, it, it is just ends up being frustrating. And with that photo, the marketing in this movie is baffling. Yeah. The marketing, yeah. one of the biggest marketing things that they did was who is the real Argyle. And it turns out, well, we saw born identity. So it turns out that we're going to rip off from that. And then the amount of cat, someone in the test audience thinks that CGI cat is hysterical because you take that cat out of the movie, nothing changes. 
Pete actually asked me the one thing he didn't say in our early. He's like, you can just tell me one thing. Does it turn out that the cat is somehow Argyle? <laughs> because doesn't it make you seem that way? Like they thought that the cat yeah. was the thing to hang on to in every trailer. And that cat is a nothing. No. I'm going to I'm going to tell you something about the cat uh, that will explain everything. Right. Oh. oh, the cat. The cat is a Scottish fold and Scottish fold cats are known for something that is horrifying. I'm going to tell you that it's not relevant to the story. Okay. All fold cats are affected by osteo osteochondrodysplasia, a developmental abnormality that affects cartilage and bone development throughout the body. This condition causes the ear fold in the breed and studies point to all fold cats being affected by it. Fold cats therefore have malformed bone structures and can develop severe, painful, degenerative joint diseases oh. at an early age. And they threw this cat off a roof. So Kidding, it's of just course. God's but little this mistake. Cat, All right. This yep. cat is Matthew Vaughn's personal cat. It's what? his family. You mean cat. when it's not CGI'd? It's when it's his not real cat? CGI'd. Oh, it's his well then. So and then he was hysterical. putting the 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 dog, the little in dog, Pearl in Pearl Harbor. Uh, That's right. I forgot about that little uh, dumb dog. I can't stand <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, it explains everything. You are right. You're right. So, it explains everything. And explains everything. Yeah. And also, sorry for those cats. Like maybe, and in fact, yeah. due to these health conditions. Breeding fold cats is prohibited in several countries, and some major cat registries don't recognize the cat breed. But we just saw it in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to blow so up. This now. seems like this is the one hundred one Dalmatians of cats. <laughs> yes, yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> so, uh, so that's where we stand on uh, on on the principle. Now we let's we've got to talk a little bit about the the movie that I wanted to watch, uh, mm -hmm. which is actually the Man from Uncle. Uh, yeah. But also yeah. adding John Cena to it and mm -hmm. Dua Lipa, frankly, like the action scene in the beginning, I thought was fun and sexy and yep. frivolous and cartoony. And he drove down the I, I guess he's either, it looked like Santorini to me, like he drove down the white roofs of Santorini and it was uh, fun and funny and I liked it. Right up until the book stuff happened. Uh, what do we think about those guys hanging out in this movie? For me, that whole sequence I liked, but it's just all every single one of those has been done better in better yeah. movies. This is the most derivative. And if it's and if it's supposed to be an in-joke about being derivative, it doesn't play that way. It's very excited with itself. This movie yeah. is. It's very that's proud the, of itself. That's the problem. It's like it, it's like a cheaper version of Fast X, right? Of like, let's do something crazy. And then again, I go to that sort of earlier conceit that this is supposed to be a best-selling book. And the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, like none of their character dialogue, the, the book character dialogue is good, interesting, powerful, something that we would want to buy. Sorry, Ellie Conway or the host of other writers that you mentioned actually wrote Argo. Um, but like it, that, that's the big problem for me. I mean, I, I it reminded me of like a fast X scene and that's yeah. i guess the point that tommy's making here is if it was trying to be cleverly de derivative it missed it 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 ended up just being flat to me unfortunately and that dance sequence where it turns out everyone is in the club is in on it mm -hmm. but him that was done better in no time to die yeah he's right. stolen all of these sequences from just better movies all of the well, twists from better movies 
he actually Vaughn himself is on the record as saying that, you know, I I wanted a James Bond movie and I nicked Henry Cavill before Bond could get him because Cavill was up for uh, the, oh, the role in the last switch. But he was 22 and they they didn't uh, they didn't give it to him because he was too young. Uh, but. This is the movie that Vaughn wanted to make was a James Bond movie. And he's sure. been dancing around it with the Kingsman movies. And now he's got he finally got Cavill and used him like this. And I thought that was a really interesting choice because I really did want this to be a Henry Cavill movie. Now, of right. course, that leads us to the post credits scene, which I think is important because it Must sets be. up potentially some wildly confusing twists to come. <laughs> I mean, which, you thought the, which, the writing of the yeah. book thing was nuts. Get ready. Right. Uh, because uh, we, have, we have two things that happen. The first one is before the credits. In the, the reading, she's now written the next book and she's being celebrated. And we have uh, a gentleman stand up with a uh, significantly flamboyant mullet. And that is... Henry Cavill in a deeply Southern accent. But again, this conceit doesn't work because there is no movie. There is only a book. So there is no actual Argyle that is Henry Cavill before this point. But then, JJ, that's mid credits. Did you see the mid credits -credits. scenes? Wait, are there two mid credits scenes? No, just one. No, my point is for. Ellie Conway slash Rachel Kyle, the author, to be on stage and to be shocked to see a person in the audience who matches what her estimation of her character looks like means absolutely nothing to anyone else in this universe because no one's ever seen that person before. That is a figment of her imagination. Well, they, but yes, but the they twist. have like uh, like little action figures that kind of vaguely look like They don't look, look like, like Henry Cavill. They definitely don't no. like like Southern mulleted <laughs> no. Henry Cavill. Well, that's why no no one else realize no one else reacts. She goes, <laughs> no one else reacts. <laughs> but this is the this is the twist I think oh, that they're do. setting the up audience. though. Yes, like, we're this supposed is to a twist that when she sees him, mm. it turns out that she had supplanted her mind had supplanted this image of her as the agent when it put her real life in her subconscious it supplanted it with this person that she already knew i think that's the thing that they're trying to get to but here is the thing oh my gosh the mid credit sequence is 20 years earlier and right. uh, we have somebody walking into the kingsman pub and we have the symbol, the Kingsman symbol yes. of the rope hanging on a sign. Yes. And we go inside and a young man says, uh, very hey, handsome young man. I'll so see handsome. Movie. You'd say he's a really Cavill-esque young man, <laughs> right? Like, and, and he says some things and the guy, the bartender hands him a box and there's a gun in the box. That's a twist. And he introduces himself as Aubrey Argyle. And that is supposed to be the young Henry Cavill character is the right. idea. Now, yes. this gets back to Vaughn. Vaughn has said when asked about, uh, is this is Argyle supposed to really be in the same universe? And he says, well, they both exist in my head. In the same so universe as the Kingsmen. As yeah. each other, yeah. Go ahead. Right. He said, they both exist in my head. So that is the universe. I will say Argyle wears very well-cut suits, wink, and later says... The Kingsman is on the right and Argyle is on the left. And we definitely have this idea for something in the middle. He has been on the record of saying that he's got an eight part series for uh, the Statesman, which is built off of the Kingsman too. Uh, He's got a lot. This is the Kingsman Argyle universe that he's building. And so is Argyle really 
uh, a figment of her imagination or is it somebody that she knew in the service? And how is Argyle going to be the connective tissue between the Kingsman and the Argyle verse? That's this, the big question. So this to me, when I hear that, because <laughs> it makes no sense to me as an audience member, this right. makes me feel like Matthew Vaughn is just creating a portfolio of ideas that he had so that when he has his <laughs> next studio meeting, they say, what have you got? And he's like, you remember what's on the right? You remember what's on the left? Well, look at this. Here's and a whipped cream pie. Exactly. Right in the middle. What do you think? The, they all made money. I mean, it just, it doesn't, the, I, I think it's great that it's in his head. Yep. But it's utterly confusing as an audience member who liked most of these movies to go, how do I get in the middle with you, Mr. Vaughn? Yeah. There's also two big elephants in the room, three big elephants in the room. Number one, of course, Samuel L. Jackson and the woman that plays the Keeper of Secrets were both in The Kingsman as very different yeah. people and are no longer with us. They both died in right. The Kingsman, in the first Kingsman. Samuel L. She Jackson, was, she was the one Valentine. with the, the swords yeah. for uh, legs. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, right. yes. Number two, when it was going up and saying, Argyle, the Argyle, book the book, Argyle the movie. Book one, the movie. Coming soon, they forgot one last credit, which should have said, don't look at box office mojo, because yeah. this film is eating. It's bad. Yeah. This film is, is not bad. like it's it's I felt embarrassed. A, it didn't make any sense. And my cool quote in the theater of one other person was what? But then um, like it's not going to happen. No. Well, yeah. it can't. Well, I shouldn't say never say never, but like this is not a franchise continuer it's certainly not a franchise starter it what? it's doing on a 200 yeah. million dollar bet unless the answer is apple doesn't care and they their pockets are so weird and streaming is changing so much that potentially the ways the barometers parameters barometers that we usually use are start stopping making sense anymore and it's like oh no it makes sense that they would drop 200 million on something that had a 15 million dollar opening domestic thing because of all of these other things that i don't understand right right yeah. well i think that's a, a really interesting sort of economic climate right that that apple wants a thing that is going to be flashy on their title card that gets people to play, you know, more than 60 seconds. Right. Right. Like I, I feel like they're, they're looking for streaming inertia in, in addition to box office prestige, but that prestige part can't go uh, unnoticed, right. Or understated because Apple right now has a reputation of higher quality stuff generally. Right. right? They, they want that... to be yesterday's HBO, right. right. That they're a little bit pickier. And right. this is a Netflix joint right here. This right. is like late That's night Red Netflix Notice. streaming. Yeah, this is Red Notice. Yeah. You're That's exactly right. And, and, and the, the, the thing that I think about it is, yes, the bad numbers are one thing. But if you think about the Fast X franchise, it makes it make the, or the Fast and Furious franchise, it makes it makes far more money than this. But one of the sort of attractions about as you get into 10 Fast movies is that they continue to bring big names. They continue yeah. to bring big cast members for tiny moments, right? Like John and, Cena. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so you have this. So so what Matthew Vaughn is saying to Apple potentially is I'm going to give you 15 more actors that are all, I'm putting in air quotes, A-list that are going to get people to at least turn it on. Yeah. I, I think they Go. bit the hand that feeds them then with that idea, with this whole, Go for it. who is the real Argyle? The yeah. person that's already on the poster. 
Right. They that is really by I mean that I was, was I was trying to think like who could it who would be big enough and people were thinking it might be Taylor Swift that these yeah. big major stars would show up for the small thing and it would blow the house down like Tom Cruise's Les Grossman and stuff and instead they were yeah. like oh no it's her just with jeans that fit <laughs> sorry yeah. I'm so Whoops. mean about the jeans um, well but but then it ends up not being her it ends up being the guy you thought it was all along it's Henry but he Cavill. was already in the movie uh, but see I but know they were phrasing it not like which it wasn't like a horror movie like Scream whatever which is yeah. like the killers on the poster they said who's the real Argyle who 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 they weren't saying one of us is the Argyle it's someone you yeah. can't even imagine would be in yes. this dumb movie and instead it turned out to be Bryce Dallas Howard yeah I think that's I, I think biting that's the hand true. that feeds you. Otherwise, JJ, I would thousand percent agree with your thought of if they're able to just Morgan Freeman, everybody, and just get these flashy posters and flashy stuff. Maybe that's enough, and that sucks. I agree. Yeah. The the in, another interesting bit that is a Vaughnism, I think, is the flamboyant action scene at the end, right? And and in the Kingsman, we had the the incredibly violent church scene and the the confetti head thing right? and the confetti like head the, things yep right those very big and colorful and exuberant exercise in violence and here we have uh the smoke the bomb. colored smoke yeah, yeah. what do you think of that that set piece it was my favorite part of the movie and i thought it was also totally embarrassing but that was the movie <laughs> that's the movie that i showed up for when i see matthew yep. vaughn i yep. want to see more of that and i thought it was only okay but i was still like I was hiding my eyes and then would burst out laughing. It was so over the top. It was so uh, indulgent that it was like, this is the, this is the part that I want yeah. more of. If you're going to, when you talked about Pete, the idea we, I think we talked off thing about like that. If you like Matthew Vaughn movies, uh, the writings on the tin, you have a cool phrase about that. What is that? Yeah, the proof is on the, the tin. It's written on the tin. That's what's written for Matthew Vaughn. Yeah. Something more that like that, that shined for me, even though it was terrible, and I loved it. Well, so, and I wouldn't have get, like I found it pretty, but sure. not executed well. And 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 I was laughing. I shouldn't actually say laughing. I was, I was wincing at its ridiculousness too. I wouldn't have chosen yep. that as the big set piece, though. I would assume it was the ice skating through the the oil. Oh my god! Was yeah, yeah, I'd already one. forgotten about the and, ice skating. And, and I, I don't particularly like that one either. Again, no. uh, interesting and pretty, but not not believable and fairly ridiculous. So Well, okay. I, I would just say that like I forgot about that when, scene. I forgot about when the whole you present a <laughs> Can you imagine Vaughn... how much that cost. And I completely <laughs> forgot about that sequence. I know. I saw it a week but, ago. <laughs> my my uh, I, I my pushback here for you, JJ, is that mm. when you say Matthew Vaughn and it just is not believable. I feel like those two things are high jump, low ceiling. Of course they're not. But this yeah. is the problem that I have with those two sequences in this movie. They don't tie back to anything substantive in the actual right. narrative. They're right. just pretty. Yes. And in The Kingsman, the entire oh. thing was built on this story that had heads plugged in and mind control. That's so when we point. get to the end, it meant something. I 100% agree. This. Yeah. And neither That's of these, these were point. just flashy getaway sequences. They didn't matter. Right. Why do they, why do they right. have this oil room 
in this yes. place. Yeah. yeah well, right. and, and that's a that was a hint that, oh, my God, the reveal, they're actually on an oil tanker. So this really is Matthew Vaughn's water world, you guys. Like, oh, but that's also, the- like, like, don't shoot because it's going to explode. And then after we get done ice skating, we're going to shoot a whole lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just... Uh. Nothing is uh, nothing is real, yeah. right? But nothing I agree is real. With you. I think and there's so the much. Kingsman part so, was far more clever. Yeah. yeah, and this gets, yeah, never has a movie. It's been a while since a movie has worked this hard to make me feel so numb. Yeah, like <laughs> about so halfway sad. through of like, I'm just looking around. Like I'm looking at yeah. the exit sign. Of like, did exit signs used to be green? <laughs> <laughs> have they always been red? That seems like a weird thing to put it. Like, yeah, that's not a that's not a good thing to say during a two hundred million dollar movie. You haven't thoughts on uh, George Richmond DP? Um, you know, what, in terms of when we step away from the movie, is there what do we have to say about how well it was shot? Anything fascinating about that? When it calms down, it's kind of cool. There's a definitely a technical precision to it. But there's so much Zack Snyder-ish speed up, slow down, uh, motion control stuff. It's yeah. tough to see a lot of soul in it. JJ, you're yeah. you're better at this stuff than I am. Well, the motion control stuff was not spectacular. It was mm-hmm. it was it was. Uh, I don't want to say it was expected, but again, like everything that we talk about is table stakes with the Matthew Vaughn movie. We want to see. We, we we're expecting to see something special that we haven't seen before, and mm-hmm. this stuff was all just kind of pretty and the same george richmond has done a lot of stuff that i think is really really quite good he's been he was a camera operator for a long time on some some big uh big stuff that i like a lot he's he is uh you know he was on uh, dp for fantastic beasts right the last um so i mean you talk about big productions sure um free guy rocket man tomb raider like yeah free guy that was a lot of fun so you know and and also is a is a vaughn guy so he did kingsman golden circle he did secret service um and uh so he's been around a long time i think this is a as sarmento would say this is a, a a competent film right like it's it's competently lensed and and it it generally i think looks good I would say the same thing about the, um, you know, the costumes. I, I, I got, we just interviewed a costume designer for uh, movies we like. That's coming out very, very soon. Please check it out because it's really interesting. Com- it's a really interesting conversation. And I just want to shout out Stephanie Colley because, in fact, they do wear great suits. And I wonder if this had been a better movie if the uh, Argyle suit cut would be something that actually catches on Mm. i don't know Mm. that it's a halloween costume caliber suit but it's a good looking suit that cavill i i I love henry cavill but i had the same thing that i would say about his costuming in uh man of steel is that he is just too jacked he's so jacked he's so jacked that he looks like he is wearing he is like Popeye level, like dumbbells for arms guy. Did that, you like, notice they try to like size him down next to Cena and it yes, just never it, works. You can't. He's too <laughs> jacked. And Cena's crazy jacked too. But He's it's crazy just like, too. yeah, but then to put him in a suit like that, like I yeah. like in, uh, w- w- where is it? The film where he actually loads up his arms against mission impossible mission impossible yeah like that makes sense like of course they don't put a blazer on him because he's too jacked (laughs) just let him go in his shirt and go i yeah yeah. stop giving him spinach (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly right i have been listening to the uh score for the last little bit 
and uh, oh. since I left the movie and the uh, score is by Lauren Balfe and it is also competent action movie score. I, there's okay. there's nothing really uh, singable uh, in the the no like symphonic melodies that really stick to my head. Uh, but uh, we do have Ariana DeBose who sings a couple of tunes uh, on it and they're they're lovely. One's kind of a disco beat. One's a ballad. And um, I, I think they're they're nice tunes. What there is doesn't up with seem... the music cues during the fights, though? Yeah, what do you think? I mean, I like it... that they had the restraint not to use "Just Call Me Angel of the Morning." That became the right. go-to yeah. horror and action stunt yep. cue for a really long time. Yeah, and, but I mean, they basically were doing the same thing with lesser songs, right? I mean, honestly, yeah. like there, I, I, none of the songs seemed to connect to an emotion that was actually happening. They were just going for that contrast of, yeah, you know, maybe what is it? You know, mid seventies adult mm-hmm. contemporary with a whole yeah. bunch of violence behind it. Like that doesn't, I don't know. I mean, that th- that was a innovation at one point. It's not anymore. Yeah, it needs to be connected to story, or it, it has been be used well special. by that, that. That could right. be the tagline for this movie, JJ. It was innovative yeah. for a while, and it's not anymore. He's trying right. a lot of the same kind of tricks that he did, but to yeah. lesser and lesser effect. Yeah, yeah, agreed. agreed. Letterbox. We are on Letterbox. True Story FM's family of film podcasts. We're all uh, over on Letterbox. You can catch us at the Next Reels HQ page, letterboxcom slash the Next Reel. And, uh, uh, Jance, what do you, how do you approach this movie? Again, nonsense, Bill, in terms of story, but it's pretty to look at. Yeah. Um, JJ? I want, I want more Matthew Vaughn innovations and less of this. So I, the story doesn't work for me. Um, I will catch any sequels or blending of the universes on streaming services, but I don't, I wouldn't advise to go see him in the theater. I, I, he was a must see for me on the theater for so long as a director, because I just wanted to experience it. I wanted to be on the ride. This one was not a fun ride. So I gave it a one and a half and no heart for me. Mm. Um, That's where I'm at. Mm. Tom. Yeah. uh, I think he is a very talented um, filmmaker um, I guess I want a little bit more layer cake instead of insanity. Uh, yeah. I just want like the, uh, a lot of the apartment fight. I wanted more of that and less of some of the insanity. You don't need to throw everything uh, at the wall to see what sticks. A lot of it is not going to, and maybe that's a part of my age. I don't know, but like I need some grounding. And if this movie had half of the stuff that it did, there could be some really powerful, cool scenes. He's still got it. We are in a renaissance of action. If you're looking in the right directions and if you're not we're looking at a lot of directors that are realizing they don't know how to catch up and so they're just throwing everything at it we uh interviewed or we reviewed a movie from an xbox of mine recently where we Mm -hmm. talked about that uh Mm -hmm. in silent night and so i'm going to give this a two and a no heart uh but if you can downshift matthew vaughn i'm back i'm here for you but i don't think this is the way to go because yeah. it just doesn't work, and it seems like flop sweat, uh, and it's too desperate for me. At the end. That is a really great way to describe how I feel about it too. That it is an anxious production. It just yeah. feels like it's it 
it doesn't know how it's going to be. It's uncertain of itself, and it, I can feel its anxiety. I am also a two with no heart, but I will tell you this. For the very first time, I attended a film in D-Box. Oh, D-Box. I saw this D-Box. Movie? This oh movie? Oh, my God. Yeah. How much Dramamine did you take? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened, but my one of my local theaters now has rows of D-Box in it. And, uh, was and it insane? It was, the movie never stops moving. Well, you know, D box is when your your chair shakes, yeah, it's right? Yeah, jiggles deep, yeah. and that made the movie. Uh, I think maybe that's the extra star I'm giving it. It's like maybe it would have been one star if I had to just sit still all the time, but it kept keeping me awake. It was like, hey, Pete, here now we're <laughs> drifting. Now we're on a plane. You know, like. Oh, that would actually be kind of dope. Kind of works. Okay, have you? So I think I know the theater that you saw it in D box. Have you seen RPX at the other? Okay, is that the same or are they different? Right. Oh, they are different. So talk about how they're very different. different. No, RPX is just the that's the Regal premiere experience, and that is the that's just bigger sound, more comfy seats. Like they have some. I think they have some like bass thumpers under the seat so they, they kind do of shake they yeah. shake but not like this this okay. is a this is like a ride like wow. it it actually the seat lifts up and when you look at the audience like you can see the movie you know what it's like it's a very subdued version of soren california wow. <laughs> oh, that's where right. you're okay. on the thing and i want to do the like, d-box yeah it, it's like it you just, see you're really chilling out. when the guns <laughs> shoot you're getting hit like it's yeah. it's jerking you around i was worried i actually called uh andy and i said hey this is my first d-box should I not buy snacks? Or is it going to like shake the snacks <laughs> yeah. out of my hand? He said, no, it's really okay. I stand by that. Snacks are okay. It didn't knock anything out of my hands. Well, and, this is uh, awesome. I didn't yeah. know it was available until we went to see this movie. So yes. uh, I think in future film boards, we should get together and conspire to all see one in D-Box so that we Agreed. can kind of talk about what That's that experience funny. is like. Because yeah. I need a new experience of it. Because the only time I've been to a D box is I last year I saw women talking, and <laughs> it did not. It was a real letdown. <laughs> Good pull. Good pull. Slap the mic away. Uh, this yeah. was really uh, fun, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thanks so much for enduring. Uh, I'm pretty excited about next month. I normally would toss to JJ, but he's already abdicated himself from this movie because he hasn't been able to stay awake through the first one. Tom, what are we doing next month? I don't know any reference from it, but it's Dune 2! Sandworms! <laughs> I loved the first one, and I don't. I desperately have to rewatch it because I don't remember much other than Timmy's eyes. Uh, but I, but I've, I've heard that apparently San, Zandaya is actually going to be in more than flashbacks and staring Good. moodily in the sand in this one. So yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I love Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> Uh, so much as a director, and so I'm very excited to see what he does. To give a powerhouse of a movie like this to a powerhouse of a director like that mm-hmm. is always exciting. So I'm Maybe excited. Maybe by then, Dune JJ two. will actually see the movie. That's right. Maybe the first one. Maybe we'll Dune see. I'm on, hey. I'm on trust. Super, super fun. Uh, yeah, as uh, it always is. These movies. Sometimes these conversations are even more fun. Yeah. Movie just like this. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out and uh, listening to this today. We appreciate your time and your attention. Can't wait to go back to Arrakis, baby. For <laughs> that trailer, it's coming up right after this. But first, on behalf of Justin Yeager and Tommy Benson III, I'm Pete Wright. Meeting adjourned.
okay. I'm here, I'm here. It's been a while since you've had one of those nightmares. Tell me, what was it about? It's only fragments. Nothing's clear. You've been fighting the Harkonnens for decades. My family's been fighting them for centuries. Your blood comes from dukes and great houses. Here, we're equal. What we do, we do for the benefit of all. I'd very much like to be equal to you. Maybe I'll show you the way. Deal with this prophet. Send assassins. Fade Rother. He's psychotic. I see possible futures all at once. And in so many futures, our enemies prevail. But I do see a way. There is a narrow way through. Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today. (laughs) 